Hello and welcome to Virtual Roundtables Live, the broadcast that brings business leaders together to discuss and debate the latest industry topics and trends. Now over to today's host. I've got 25 years in technical and IT management. Uh, Chartered IT professional, so a wide range of skills across different things. Uh, Service security and governance are my interests. So aligning security to your service, not thinking about security as, as a whole, but what are you doing to secure email? What are you doing to secure insert service here? And trying to break it down that way. Uh, worked as an MSP to about 350 organizations, uh, large and small, uh, from the, the, the last census we've done, uh, the very first one that was run on the planet online with 100% uptime. Uh, delivered that one, transferred a police force from public to private sector, rightly or wrongly, wasn't my decision. Um, I've now gone to in-house, uh, which is, is quite strange to be on the other side of the table, won't lie. Um, my passion is making security invisible. If I can make it invisible, people don't find a workaround. If I make it visible and problematic, they find a way around it. So how can I make it work so it doesn't affect people and doesn't uh, impact them? So it means that it's effective. Um, we'll skip over that one, because I'm not anymore. Um, that was just the oil refinery. So if we look at a supply chain, and we, we were literally just talking about this, supply chains for me are probably uh, the easiest attack method. It was the one I would personally choose in pretty much all of the cases that I would go after somebody. Um, so your company, you've got two providers, you've got a managed IT provider, you've got a business process outsourcer. A lot of people have these things. Um, well, they've got people as well. They might have a specialist resource provider. So you may outsource to um, itservicedesk.com and they might look after your network. Well, there's a network provider that they're probably going to use who's got specialist resources that may be using day rate contractors. That all goes on. You've got a cloud service provider who's got a subcontract BPO and that chain gets really, really big, really, really quick. And you've got a mammoth chain of access into your system. Forget the data, forget the GDPR. We're just talking on a security level for here. So why have we got them? Well, we can't make everything ourselves. We just can't do it. You know, faster, better, cheaper, value. That's why you've got a supply chain. It's all about value. Um, you might just not be able to do it. You know, for, if I think of Premier and you haven't got that many washing machines to wash the amount of bed and you must have to wash every bloody day. Um and, you know, for ourselves, same here. You know, we've got beds and all sorts. We can't wash that. Where do we it's, get someone else to do it? It's quicker, it's cheap and easier. Um, doing everything we need in our businesses is just not possible. Um, but the counter side to that is somebody else's computer isn't somebody else's problem. Um, a lot of people take this approach. I bought a service. I don't need to worry about it. I've got an Amazon service. Yeah, we all know that it's it's good for when it was built. Five minutes later, it's like a map. It's out of date. If someone isn't staying in control of that, managing that properly, you're out of the. You've got a problem. Um. So if you look at the service, and like I said, I, I like to look at things as on a service base. So it's it's a mean of a means of enabling value by facilitating outcomes. Outcomes, the key word that we've picked up on a few times across today, uh, without managing the specific costs and risks. That's why we all outsource. We don't want the costs. We don't want the risks. It, we just want the clean sheets. We just want the network service. We just want all of these things. We don't care how that supplier gets there. That's their problem. 
but it's also ours as well. But that's the goal of a night uh, of that. Could that be you? You know, we you've got a fantastic firewall sat there. You've got a top of the line, absolute next generation forty five thousand XF. I don't know. And then you've got all your users with no training whatsoever. It's a brilliant gate. Don't get me wrong. But I think any of us could bypass that quite easily, really. Um, and that's what worries me about supply chain. That's what I've seen too much of. So what, what, what do we see? There's just too much of it to do. When you start thinking about that mammoth supply chain, where do you stop? You know, the data privacy piece, talking on GDPR and the whole list and all your supply, that gets silly. Really silly. So on top of that, you've got your own estate. You're now going to manage suppliers as well. This is getting a little bit daft now. Hang on, you're going to put ISO, you're going to put PCI, you're going to put Cyber Essentials, you're going to put NIS on top of that as well as all the, all the other things I've got to do. I haven't got enough people to do half the things I want to do anyway. Um, all of our problem, you only get the money when it's too late. It's it's the best reactive industry for, for getting money, this one. You, you don't get it before it's happened. You get it once it's happened and it's too late. Um, we're also on top of keeping the noise up at a board level, keeping people interested. Um, without the help of the, the red tops is quite difficult. When when there's a big fine, oh, oh, you're everybody's best friend. How are we going to avoid this fine? You get invited to all of these things. But when it goes quiet, people run away from you because you're not a P&L line. You're a cost. You're just pure L. There's no P involved in anything we do. And that makes it really difficult to keep the board interested in what we do. So how do I do it where I've been and where do I start? So I ask myself, first of all, what do I want to do? What suppliers have I got? What's important to me? You know, if it's not important, why am I doing it? I don't have the resources, don't have the capabilities to do everything. I've got to be pragmatic with this stuff. And then what do I expect of those suppliers? If it's a supplier that's looking after patient data for me, then they've got a very set of stringent rules. If it's a supplier that's selling me pens, guess what? I'm not really that fussed. I don't really care. If it's little marketing pens for when we launch a service that say Virgin Care on them, not overly fussed. Who? I mean, critical suppliers is an important one. So me WAN, EMIS, which we all probably use to book GP appointments on. It's available to lots and lots of people. Um, is there an owner for that service? Barry, it was before, called Asset Owners or Information Asset Owners, and Ian as well in his GDPR piece, Information Asset Owners. If you've got a managed service with someone, you've got a service delivery manager coming your way, what have you got going the other way? How are you managing that supplier? If you've got that service owner, you've got that, but then who's responsible? Is it your CISO? Is it your IT manager? Is it the service manager? Who's looking after the cybersecurity? Everyone's arms will go down by the side. No one will want to do it, and it'll end up on your CISO. Who's then sat there going, well, how do I involve myself with this supply? Where? How does that supplier connect in? Are they coming in best practice way under an authorized account that's opened up on the fly? Um, as they need it, when it's recorded via a Citrix gateway. If you've got the money for that, congratulations. Um, have they got a permanent VPN? How are they getting in? How are they getting out? How? Where's all this sort of information about them? If you know all of those things, you've got a good idea of what's going on with your suppliers and your 
data or security critical suppliers. <coughs> so I tier them. Um, category one, two, or three. Three would be the pens. One would be my patient systems. Um, defining the criticality would be different for every organization. So like I said, I've just moved from an oil refinery. Um, one of my critical suppliers there was the oil trading platform. Because if we couldn't trade, we couldn't buy oil. If we didn't buy oil, we weren't making petrol. If we weren't making petrol, you weren't getting fuel in your car. It was just that simple there. Um, but that's an interesting one, DMARC. All your suppliers are sending your invoices. Do you trust them? It's the easiest way to take money out of a business. Really simple. Take me 30 days to, to skim a business if I wanted to. Because I'd wait. I'd submit the letter saying I've got to change your bank details, intercept the invoice. Wait 30 days, submit it through. It'd probably get through. If I hit 100 businesses, at least 20% of them would fall for it. So that goes back to my plan B. Um, data not DOSH. This is an important one that I've worked with the NCSC on because uh, of my background in CNI. Everybody, when they look at their systems, looks at how much they've spent on it. How much is this worth? How much is that worth? Maybe we need to think about that. Maybe we need to look at data um, rather than how much we're spending. Just because you're spending a lot doesn't mean it, it's necessarily a bigger. So 365, you might say, well, that's our biggest spend. Well, actually, from a data point of view, they've got access to everything, so that could be important. Your biggest spend uh, for uh, thinking of Premier Inn uh, might be toilet rolls. Could very well be toilet rolls. Um, what sort of data have you got? How many toilet rolls you use? If that got into the public, would you really care? You wouldn't. Um, driving that across the business is really difficult and challenging. But if you can do it and make people think to move towards that data methodology rather than thinking purely on this supplies the most important because we spend the most with them, that's a really important key point. Um, and then flick that back to what, when, who. If you've got those connections and you know where your critical suppliers are, you, all of a sudden you've got an exact map of what's going on with every supplier in your estate. And you can start on the, the most important and work your way down. Um, so how do we do supply security? There's four pillars. Is anybody a defined operator of essential services under this? No? Okay, so that, that, that's a strange world. I was uh, sort of am now as healthcare. It's a bit strange. Um, but these are the things that we have to do. So we have to manage the security risk, which is just good old simple risk management. Um, governance, asset, supply chain. That's what we're doing there. We need to protect against it. Antivirus, malware protection, spam protection. Um, detecting the instance, MDR. Everyone's favorite from before. I've heard that mentioned a lot today. But you've got to be able to, if you can't detect them, you don't know it's happening. So you've got to be able to detect them. And then you've got to be able to uh, deal with it. And that's the big one. Plan, practice, and practice again. Make sure that you're ready for when that happens. But what if this is one of your suppliers? What if this was you've outsourced your IT service desk and they were attacked and they weren't ready? What happens to your business when your supplier hasn't done that? It's your IT service desk and they're taken out. What are you going to do? You're not going to do anything, are you? You're knackered. You're dead in the water. So what we've got is the NCSC have produced what they call a, a CAF, 
or a cyber assessment framework. And this is what good looks like to the NCSC. Um, what I will say is this is what a NIS engagement looks like as well. If you've done or you align yourself to CAF, you will satisfy 27,001 PCI, SOX, and NIST, the American one. Um, it is exactly what good looks like. It's not easy, but there's three levels. Not achieved, partially achieved, achieved. I'm a big, big fan of it. Um, it's not a pass-fail. This is a journey that you put yourself on. Um, is it a tick-box exercise? No. It's not a 27,001. If you put me in front of a 27,001 order, I'll give you the policy that says, here's your password. And if your password is password one is acceptable, if I can show that that's enforced, I've just passed 27,001. Well done, me. Yay. That was easy. This is very much outcome focused, but it's not that. It is sector agnostic. It does work for every business. I sound like a walking advert for the NCSC. I'm going to move on. Um, but if we look at it, there's, there's four objectives, 14 principles, and please don't get too upset when you see this one of 39 indicators of good practice. And this is the difference. It's moving into good practice to say that you are doing the right things really well. It's unbelievably valuable and it's free. That's the best part. There's no cost to this framework. You can just go onto the NCSC website and read on it. It's applied to all operators of essential services across Europe, but it's sort of guided by the NCSC. They're not a regulator. Um, but we're not an OES, an operator of essential services. But good practice, which is what this framework is, isn't legislative. It's advisory. It's like ITIL. Uh, if we've any of us looked at ITIL, it's not prescriptive. You take it, you change it to suit how you work. If you've implemented it as gospel, you've missed the point. It's the same with this framework. Oh, look, there we go. They've got some of the best and most qualified people doing this sort of work, watching over what the UK firewall is doing, whether you agree with it or not. Um, they're offering this to us free. Why wouldn't we take it up and, and actually implement that framework and say, yeah, I, I can do my 27, I can do my CE, I can do my CE+, plus, I can do all of these things off one framework. I can also then devolve that through to my suppliers and just say, show me how you're doing this. Free, why not? Um, do it once, do it well. How many times do we see in businesses, oh, I've got a cyber essentials order. I need to get all the paperwork together for that. Three months later, I've got a 27,001 order. I need to get my paperwork ready for that. Oh, I've got my PCI order. I need to get ready for that. Hang on, it's the same thing. It's the same evidence. Why not do it once and do it well? Um, so if you're doing it, how do you get your suppliers to do it? Well, if your suppliers start doing it, and their suppliers start doing it, your estates become nice. Contractual agreements will will sort of wander into momentarily, but it, it is that simple. If you do it and your suppliers do it, and then their suppliers do it, now this, for an operator of essential services, is a regulatory requirement. They have to ensure their suppliers do it. If, as an OES, you don't, you get the £2 million fine if your supplier doesn't do it. It's a bit harsh. No one's telling the, the market about this which is a bit of a failure on the UK government part. So you need to look at how you're going to sort of bring along an organization or enact any change. And this is the change model that works in any organization for any change, if I'm honest. 
First, start off by creating a sense of urgency. Let people understand that there is a problem and that problem needs to be fixed. Don't necessarily offer them the solution at this stage, but identify that there is a problem in the business and that problem needs to be fixed. And then engage with the right people, so the stakeholders. So you're probably going to want your CFO because you're probably going to need some budget for something. Make sure you've got your, your operations officer on board so you've got that. Make sure you've got your IT service desk so they understand what you're trying to do to make their life easier because if a supply chain attack does happen, your IT service desk are going to be up the wall because they're going to get battered, but there's nothing they can do. Um, and then communicate what you're doing across the organization. Bring everyone along with you. If you let, if you let them out and you leave them out, you're not going to get everyone buying into it. If you keep everyone engaged, they'll just feel part of it and they will resist less. Um, tell people it's okay to challenge and to raise questions. It's one of the most important feedbacks for any good security engagement piece is you have to make sure your staff feel able to raise problems when there is one. It's the same with enacting a change. Help them help you because we do, we no one's got the, 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 the total good book on good ideas. I've got a few, but not all of them. What if everybody gave me a good idea all at the same time? I was like, well, hang on. We can really make a difference here. Sounds a bit communistic, I accept. No, I don't want a job at the co-op. Um, do prepare for resistance. There's always some. Always someone will, who will resist it. There's the change curve we've all seen, where there's the, the, the absolute resentment before people start to accept and then go, oh, yeah, it was better, actually. Prepare for it. Be ready. And then reinforce the message as to why you're doing this. If you follow those six steps for pretty much any change you try to enact in your organization, you will have a higher rate of success. I guarantee um, it wouldn't be a sales type. It's not a sales pitch, but it wouldn't be a day at an event like this if we didn't bring out some sort of big number. Um, six, I don't know what those that, um, that number is in the amount of zeros on it, um, but that's the Verona's forecast of cybercrime costs by 2021. Um, obviously, that's one organization's. I chose that because it's a headline grabber. Um that's a lot of money. I can't even begin to imagine that. It's just paper money, that really isn't. It's just a number on a computer screen. But that's what they're saying are the big costs. Realistically, people are not going to go after the big organizations because we've got money. We've got the systems to invest in all of these technological defenses. The easiest, simplest answer is these fintechs and your startups who probably haven't done the right thing because they're, too, they're operating too fast and they're trying to use GitHub to get on. It's exactly what happened to BA. It's exactly what's going to happen time and time again. We need to ensure that supply chain starts to get hit uh, and secured up. So I use the cyber assessment framework. I send that to all of my suppliers and say, I need you to look at this and I need you to rate yourselves on where you are, but only to my critical suppliers. I haven't hit my mediums and my lows yet. And that's I'm happy to admit that because I can't do everything all at once, but I've, I'll start on my criticals. And I'll make sure that they're doing all those indicators of good practice that tells me where I might have a problem. At which point I'm starting to do risk management, which was one of the pillars that we need to do. But every company understands risk, more often than not. They've all got risk registers. Some may not understand why they've got them, but they've got them. And if it's there, it's talked about. So if you can raise that there's a risk with one of your suppliers because they've told you that they're not following good practice, you can stop that from happening. 
you've got an easier life. Who wouldn't want that? Um, it's not a tick box exercise. The journey is focused on outcomes. It's not a 27,001 audit. Yeah, you say you do that, you do that. Fantastic. Next. Look at the good practices. Again, a lot of people have said this today. Only you can measure your risk appetite. Um, what's acceptable to me might not be acceptable to you and vice versa. That's where the differences come in. But this, those good practices in that assessment framework uh, don't look at risk. They just say that these are the things that you should do. And if you're doing this, you're in a very good position. It's unbelievably powerful. I'm a huge fan. Uh, it is available for free on their website. Um, I devolve it, like I say, to my suppliers. I align to it. Um, for NHS, this is called DSPT, or the Data Security Protection Toolkit, because they like to have really sexy names. Um, but it's NIS, basically, and that just says that you'll put good technical and organizational measures in to defend your cyber, cyber estate. That's as far as it goes. It's then down to your regional um, cyber emergency response team to give you what that good advice is, and that's that NIST guidance, which is the cyber assessment framework. Four pillars, 14 objectives, 39 indicators of good practice, and that's all I ask my suppliers to tell me. How good are you? If you're not good, okay, I'm not going to end your contract, but I'm going to work with you to solve that problem and make my life easier and give me more sleepful nights. Thanks for joining us this week on Virtual Roundtables Live. Make sure to visit our website www.virtualroundtables.com to learn more about upcoming webinars and events.